Hello and welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Uh, in just a little bit, we'll be joined by Brooks Bratton from the uh, Nashville Predators. Uh, he's the Senior Communications and Content Coordinator. He hosts the Predators official podcast. Uh, interesting guy. He's had an interesting career. Uh, young man, but in, a, an interesting season that he just went through. And uh, I think you'll enjoy some of the stories and the tales of, that Brooks has um, especially when it comes to players who have played in Milwaukee and have gone on to Nashville to do some good things. But Charlie, uh, we want to start with uh, coming up in the, in the not too distant future, um, July 15th. We know that the Admirals, everybody felt that the Admirals were not out last season, did not play last season, um, but getting ready for season 51 at right. Panther Arena uh, <laughs> and and looking forward to uh, a great year and a, and a year of a word that's been thrown around way too much normalcy but it's it's going to be a blast this season we hope everybody can join us and we hope that uh, people can join us for sort of a kickoff to the entire to the entire season. If, yeah, if, it, it is. It, it's certainly a kickoff, but I, it, it's more to it than just a kickoff for sure. Like we'll still have our kickoff events uh, coming up as the season gets closer, but uh, the July 15th event, it'll be an awesome opportunity for people to get, to get back together. Right. Like we haven't, we had an event, we had the, the garage sale last September, but besides that, there hasn't been a, really, couple, a couple of watch parties to yeah, see the some watch parties. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this will be a great opportunity for everyone to sort of come back, get together. We'll have a uh, it's from 530 to 730 on the 15th. And uh, we'll have an opportunity to that. We'll have a program starting at 615. It won't be long, um, but uh, there'll be some I, we've got a couple of cool things planned for that program. Uh, stuff that I think you'll uh, that people will really like. And uh, there is there will be food available for sale. There won't be any free food. Um, like you might, ex- there had, we have had free food in the past, yeah. uh, but not for uh, this event, not for this event. We didn't play last year. Right. So come on folks, give, cut us some slack. <laughs> but, and, and it will be open to everyone. You don't open need to, to anybody. Season yep. no season, exactly. Open to every, anybody and everybody, and it'll be on the floor at Panther arena. Uh, it won't be, you know, we won't be in like the bar area. So there will certainly be for people who are still dipping their toes back in the water, understandably. So, uh, there'll be plenty of space around you. Uh, if, if necessary, if need be. So yeah. That so that's, good. that's coming up on July 15th, uh, at Panther arena. Uh, there'll be more on the Admiral's website. So make sure you look for that social media. Obviously you'll see everything that you need to see. Um, it's been, uh, boy, it's been a couple of weeks since Nashville came out of the Stanley cup playoffs. You were, it's uh, it's been an interesting run. So hopefully people are following that. We could talk about the hockey and the Stanley cup and all of that. When we get there on July 15th, maybe we should have a champion by then. Right. So I think uh, the last possible game is July 7th. Okay. So we should have a champ. We'll, we'll have a we, champion by we then. We'll and, have a champion by then. Yeah. And uh, get ready for the draft and expansion draft, all of these things that'll be happening in the not too distant future. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an exciting time free agency. It's uh it's an exciting and and see how the admirals will shape up. They start to look, start to be formed uh, after not seeing them for a year. Right. Absolutely. So, like there's, uh, there was certainly, we have, we know some guys that are, you know, going to be here. Uh, you know, Matt Donovan, he, he's still got another year and yeah, Josh uh, Healy signed. Josh Healy has signed and uh, you know, we'll have uh, 
know, Tommy Novak is signed as well, likely to see him. Uh, but it'll be there'll be certainly some new faces uh, yeah. for us, uh, as there is every year, right? Yeah. That's not unusual. Yeah. But it's what is unusual is that we haven't seen any of these guys since March of 2020, and uh, so it'll be it'd be awesome to get back and awesome to get to know some of these guys and sort of uh, uh, get back into, like you say, way overused word, but it's appropriate. Get to have some normalcy. Get back to uh, regular life here uh, uh, or as regular as it can be. So again, that's July 15th, starting at 5.30 until 7.30. There will be a special program at 6.15 that we are told you will not want to miss. Will not uh, want to miss. Uh, that, uh, that, that Some exciting stuff, and it'll be a lot of fun. And again, it'll be great to see everybody, hopefully see everybody uh, at that event on July 15th at Panther Arena. Let's get to our guest. Brooks Bratton is the Senior Communications and Content Coordinator for the Nashville Predators. He hosts the Predators official podcast. Uh, He does a lot of things, travels with the team. He joins us now. Brooks, it's great to see you. Great to talk to you. How's everything going? I got your titles right, correct? Yes, yes. It's a a big, long one, but a team reporter essentially fills everything in. Yes. (laughs) You, You bring up team reporter. Do you treat your job like you are indeed the beat reporter for the team? To a point. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously there's working for the team, there's a limit to what I can or can't say. Right. Um, but for sure. I mean, you know, the, the day to day and covering practices and games and, you know, tweeting. And as you said, co-hosting the podcast and, and doing some video work from time to time. And, you know, you, you do feel like you're on the beat and I'm lucky enough to be on the inside of the beat, if you will, and, and travel with the team and be around the team here in Nashville and, and all over the continent. So it's, it's a pretty sweet gig. Do you have the access? Like, can you walk up to a player or do you need to clear it through the PR Kevin Wilson or anybody else in the PR, the official PR department, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to, to go through them just to double check things. Okay. Um, there's definitely, and, and the guys, you know, there I, are I, protocols at that level. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been here for seven seasons and, um, you know, obviously you, you figure out what's the best way to go about things. And I think a lot of the guys too, especially the guys, <clears throat> excuse me, that have been here for a while, they know who I am. I know who they yeah. are. Um, and there's that trust factor there too, which, which is really nice. If, you know, if you're doing a story on a guy, um, you know, they, they know that you're not going to take something that they said out of context, you're not going to spin something and, and, and try to make them look bad. So it, it is nice to have that, that sense of trust there as well. And I think that helps to make for a better story a lot of times and, and makes for a better working relationship between me, players, coaches, David Poyle, uh, that sort of thing as well. Well, and, and, and let's point out, like I work for the Milwaukee Admirals. Charlie works for the Milwaukee Admirals. You work for the Nashville Predators. We're not here to be, and I'm dating myself a bit, we're not here to be Mike Wallace. We're not here to break stories and put people on the spot. We're here to promote our respective teams, make the players as accessible and fun as possible to the public, and and hopefully, when it comes down to it, sell a few tickets. 100%. And, you know, and that's what we, we've told players that before. Like, our job is to make you look good. And, and more often than not, guys understand that. And, you know, if, if we ask certain questions, you know, like we, we love, we love for guys to talk about the fans as well. Cause I mean, you guys know, like what, what the atmosphere is here, like in Nashville and that's well known about the league. And 
Um, you know, guys are good. Guys are really good nowadays. I think too, about being their own ambassadors in a way for themselves and for the Nashville predators. Sure. So like, I don't feel like I necessarily have to get that out of them a, a lot of times. I think they're pretty good at that on their own, but it is for sure. It is nice to, to go about things the you know, the right way and, 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 just to try to make guys look good and, and make our franchise look good too. And, you know, even when times are tough, I, I think it's, it's finding that balance between, you know, okay, like we're aware that we're in a tough stretch right now, but we're not going to ignore that. We're going to say, all right, here's what we're doing to try to fix the problem. Here's how we can continue to get better and, and find a way. And, and that certainly happened this past season as well. Sure. Yeah. So I just want to go back to something you just mentioned about how guys now are, sort of their own brand ambassadors. Is that, is that an evolution of something that you, that like seven years ago when you started, that really wasn't around so much and that sort of has evolved uh, over that time? Did that, well, in Nashville, did that come in with PK? Well, I think so. And, and I mean, PK was just an unreal force, right? Like he walks in the yes. room, you know, he's there. Yes. He's, yes. He's and and we team. need more of that in this sport. We need much more of that. hundred percent. And, and he's always like, he was awesome. He was one of my favorite guys to talk to because like, he almost knew what you wished that he would say. And yeah. <laughs> he, would, he would give you something every time. And, you know, I, you, you loved in the playoffs when I, I think it was, after game two of the final in 17 in Pittsburgh, after going down 0-2, he said, we'll go home, we'll win game three, and we'll go from there. And you like, you love a player to say something like that. And um, no, I, I think guys like, you know, the younger guys too, I, I not that the older guys don't like get what we're trying to do, but it's just, I think it's the way that some of the younger guys are growing up now. Like I'll never forget, two years ago in 2019 when we drafted Philip Tomasino in Vancouver and I was there in Vancouver and you do the media, but then you go with him and as he does all the behind the scenes stuff as well. Right. And there was a room there where um, there there's uh, video videographers there and they're just shooting some behind the scenes, like, you know, some, some fun content, like, you know, make some eyes at the camera or flip your hat around or, you know, like nod your head, just, just cool little things. And he was actually asking the photographers, what if I did this? Can I do this? What if, <laughs> and I was like, wow, like this kid gets it. So yeah, it, right. it's cool to see those younger guys like that. And I think Igor Afanasyev is the same way. Um, just another name that comes to mind of a younger guy who, who really gets it in that way. And is like, you know, I, I'll, I'll play to the camera a little bit or, I'll, I'll be a little more active on, on social, but, but every guy is different. And I get it too. Like once you get to the NHL, maybe you don't want to be, of course, it's all about the team, right? Like that's the mindset is it's about the team. It's not about me. Right. But I think guys are, are good at finding that balance as well. And, you know, realizing, I think that Philip Forsberg's really good at it now, a, a current guy here um, right. who he, you know, he shares a lot on Instagram. He wants to be involved. He, he wants to, to share photos and, and, you know, say things to the fans. And uh, we certainly appreciate that on our side. Um, but, you know, and, and all the guys, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say all the guys are good at that in their own way. Um, and I've seen guys get better at it over the years as well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, Aaron and I talk about this for a fair amount about how there's a lot of guys who, when you talk to them, they're very engaging, but then when you turn the microphone on, it's like, uh Oh, hold on. I don't want to there. They're afraid of, and I bet you see that a lot, especially with guys who are coming up from our level 
that it's, uh, like, they don't... it's like bull durham then they turn into the cliches I mean, we yeah yeah one game at a time all of that stuff it, it, exactly so how do you go about like getting them to let their guard down a little bit insofar as like not to just you know to get you some awesome scoop that's not what you're about that's what we said you're here to to to, to show them is it just telling them hey i'm here to help you uh and just trying to make them a little bit more comfortable well one thing i'll say to that and you guys have probably experienced this as well doing a podcast has been amazing for that 100 yes. going, going back going back to our first episode because one when you sit down with a guy there it's completely different when you're with a guy for three minutes after morning skate and not that they're brushing you off because they're not, but they've got a meeting to go to. They've got to get change and go home and get their pregame meal and get their nap. And I mean, they've got other stuff to do in the day and we get that. And, you know, we're not looking for some earth shattering revelation after a morning skate, but what has been awesome with the podcast is you can sit down with a guy for 10, 15, 20 minutes. They're not in a huge rush and you can get into some different topics. Going back to PK on our first episode of the podcast, one, we wanted to have him as our first guest just to say like, you know, here's a name, here's a guy that we know is a good talker. Let's right. see what happens. And we were basically like, you know, how did you meet Lindsey Vaughn? Unfortunately, they're no longer together, but um, you know, we, we were like, just give us the story on that. And he gave us like a six or seven minute answer, an awesome answer on how they met and how it went down and everything. And another guy that you guys know very well, Alex Carrier, we had yeah. him on recently yeah. this season. He told an awesome story about how he'd been turned down by his girlfriend three or four times and they're finally right. together. And he talked about meeting Yakov Trenin for the first time in juniors and how he didn't speak any English. And he was like, oh, like, I guess we're not going to have a conversation with this guy anytime soon. But yeah, yeah I, I think that's been great to just have that other medium and just try to get guys to open up. And, you know, there's been guys even that maybe you didn't think would have opened up that much, like a Victor Arvitz and like a Cali Yarncroak, who some, they're just quiet guys. There's nothing right. with that. They're just quieter people. And, uh, you know, Callie told a story of how Victor Arvidsson's wife cuts his hair. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. You're just yeah. not going to get that in a locker room setting, but a podcast setting, they'll really open up. And I think that comes back to that trust factor, too, that they're like, you know what? This is like a fun conversation. I don't have a problem giving you something that maybe I wouldn't give you otherwise. Yeah, you know, kind of before he got called up. <clears throat> Yakov Trenin was on that hot streak, a uh, hot start for the Admirals in 1920 to start the year. And, uh, and I finally reached out to him. He'd been here a couple of years. And so we, he, we knew each other a little bit and, but it was, uh, it was never more, much more than hello and things like that. So finally we did 15, 20 minutes with him and it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And, and again, like, I, I think it equated with his game. Like he was comfortable with his game finally. So he was probably, and his coaches and his teammates, he was comfortable with everything else. But just like you said, um, that different format, it's, it's not formal. There's no lights. There's things like that. It, it helps the cause. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, we tell the guys that come on here, oh yeah, you know, 30, 30, 45 minutes. We can't tell how many times it's been an hour that oh, we easily. talk to a guy and it's like, it just seems like it, it, it goes so fast. And uh, I, I think that's a great point that the, that these podcasts are actually allowing guys to, to open up a little bit and to get answers out that everyone's afraid of sounding stupid, right? Yeah. Like uh, that they either don't know what they're talking about or, you know, getting the, they, they, everyone, it's the, I gotcha moment. And mm -hmm. 
you don't have that on here. It's not Twitter. It's not 100 or 280 characters now. It's it's totally different, and it's an awesome opportunity to. And then, then it probably makes your job easier because you heard these stories, and then it just it, like you say it builds the trust. And so when you're in the locker room, getting the soundbite, it, it it probably makes things a bit easier for you. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I mean, just knowing some of the background of these players and getting to know them a little bit more on a personal level, one, to your point, Charlie, I mean, if nothing else, you might have a better relationship with them after the fact. Right. Um, and, and two, they, they're probably not going to be afraid to give you maybe a little bit more somewhere down the line in the future. And, you know, again, I, I've just always really appreciated that, that being able to do that in, in that sort of medium and get a little bit more out of them. And then that trust factor to me, again, is just the biggest thing. And, and them knowing who you are and knowing that you're, you know, you're on the team and you're covering them, but um, you know, j- just that they can trust you and, and appreciate what you do and realize that we all have a job to do. Right. I mean, I have right. a job to do, they, they have a job to do and we've got this working relationship and we might only be interacting for two to three minutes at a time, but um, it, it's really, really good in that way to, to get the most out of it and have it be a positive experience for everyone. You mentioned being at the draft uh, with Philip Tomasino. Yours is a position where Charlie and I in Milwaukee will wait till players get to Milwaukee. Not that we're disinterested in the draft, uh, but until they get here, we probably don't worry too much about who these players are. You're there from day one. Uh, so you, you're in that unique position in that you have established from the first moment that they have become Nashville Predators, you have at least gotten some FaceTime and some chat time with these players. Um, it's, it's a lot to control. It's a lot to maintain, isn't it? I mean, you're, we're talking eight new faces every year, plus free agents, plus whatever. It's a lot. Yeah, not just mention, just pronouncing their names half the time, and then, right? And then, and then, yes, and then to fo- keep following up with that year after year after year. I and I'm not going to get his name right, but you look at prospect list. Is Grigory Shefigulin still on? Is Shefigulin still on the on this list? Like that's a lot to maintain. Yeah, well, and you know, for me, like I've always loved the draft. I used to go to the draft as a fan as a kid, and so. To, to one to work it is such a cool experience for me because I love getting to meet the guys as you said like where are you, excuse me where, where are you sitting for the draft so there are so of course all the tables are on the floor probably from one end right up on the stage to where maybe the opposite blue line would be and then yeah. in the back there are media risers so I'm as close to the floor, I guess, as you can be, I'm kind of on the floor. I'm in a media riser, um, just rows of tables. So we, like, I have a great view of the floor and everything that's going on, um, which is cool to see, you know, when people are talking to each other, because of course fans love hearing GMA is talking to GMB and what's going to happen. You know, I like to, I was actually just going through some tweets, um, my, I have my time hop that comes up and shows me what I was tweeting three, four, five years ago. And I, I saw something that I had tweeted uh, a couple of years ago. It was like lots of chatter on the draft floor right now. Although to be fair, it'd probably be kind of weird if they were all just sitting there staring off. Silent. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, just little things like that. Like you try to have fun with it. And um, no, I mean, to, to meet the guys, as you said, I mean, they put that jersey on. They go around the table, they shake everyone's hand. 
And then it's usually straight to someone like me. Um, and we always kind of joke that because of that, guys maybe think that I'm more important than I actually am. <laughs> Let them think that. Let them think Yeah, that. right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm one of the first people they meet. So I, yeah, for sure. Let them think that. Um, but no, like it, it is cool to, again, just to, to be one of the first guys that they meet and then, you know, normally, and hopefully we can start this up, you know, very soon, maybe, maybe even next summer, but you go from the draft and then you usually go right to development camp. Yeah. Right. So for them to go into that scenario and not really know anybody, but to be like, Oh, Hey, like, I remember you, I talked to you. I mean, that just something little like that yeah. is really cool. Um, I'll never forget meeting Alex Carrier, right right off the floor in, in 2015, which is crazy to think that he was drafted in 15 and in 21 has established himself as, yeah. as a guy who should probably really be on this defense core. But, you know, just meeting a guy like that right from the bat, um, Dante Fabra was a big one who, who was great to talk to right away. Uh, you know, again, Philip Tomasino right away. I mean, Ellie Tolvin and you, you get him right away. And it's, again, it's just cool to, to be in that position and to be able to meet those guys. And um, I remember Tomas Vomachka is a guy who, you know, is one like really funny and, and just really down to earth. And he's someone that, um, you know, I, I have always enjoyed seeing at development camp. And of course he has signed his entry level deal now. So um, just a guy like that you meet in, in that way and you talk to at development camp and you start these relationships with these guys early. And again, just one more cool thing about it again, just to be there from, from the start from and day one from day one and you get to know these guys and hopefully see them come up and play in the NHL. Who, uh, who are some guys that you not, obviously you're not, you know, Scott Nickel or David Poyle, right? You don't have to make player predictions on who's going to be good, but who are going to be some guys that you think just from your experiences with the draft or developmental camp that you think these guys are good. These are guys are funny. You you'll enjoy getting them into from Milwaukee, presumably, and then into Nashville. Like who's got the good personalities, the funny guys. Well, again, Tomas Vomachka, the goaltender, comes to mind um, as someone who, if he does end up in Milwaukee at some point, uh, I, I think the fans and I think you guys will just love him. Um, Igor Afanasiev is another one who I think has a really good personality. And, uh, you know, Phil Tomasino, if he spends any time there, again, just a really good kid, down to earth, but a good personality um, and, and really understands and, and gets the media thing. Um and, and then, you know, I, I, again, I think it goes back to guys just kind of growing up more in the social media age and understanding like they're, they're probably coming in. Most of them are already usually on either Instagram or Twitter or some form of media in that way. Um, but th those are those are some names that come to mind. You know, if they come through Milwaukee, I think they could very easily be fan favorites. And uh, I, I'm, I wish I had more for you. I feel like I, I kind of missed a year with the lack of development camp last yeah, year. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some, some good ones in the pipeline for sure. The last time we saw you in person in Chicago, uh, at right. January of 19. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> excuse me, um, it was right after the coaching change. Mm -hmm. So Peter Laviolette goes, John Hines comes in. Um, there's a lot going on around the team, obviously. Uh, what is that like for you? Um, writing and again, walking that line of telling the truth, but at the same time, not blasting somebody on their way out or on their way in or whatever the case might be. 
for sure. Well, you know, I think something like that in a situation like that, I want the people who were involved to really help me tell the story, right? Like I'm, I'm, I can't go out on my own and say this needed to happen or that needed to happen. But at John Hines's press conference, David Poyle came right out and said that, you know what, I went to the players and said, I made this decision, but you need to take some of the blame for this. And so in a situation like that, when your general manager is calling the team out in a way, I mean, that makes it for, for someone like myself to say, well, hey, David Poyle's not happy. He didn't want to do right. this. He's not a guy who likes doing these kinds of things. And you can take that and say, all right, here's why this happened. Here's what the players think. Here's what the general manager thinks. And that's one side of it. But then you always take a look at the positive side of it and say, okay, what is John Hines all about? Why are we excited to have John Hines? Why did David Poyle think he was the guy? And so, so there's really two sides of it in that situation. And again, only being here for seven years, I came in with Peter Laviolette. Sure. And so I wasn't here. That was my first experience with a coaching change. Sure. In the so I, I had experienced a lot to that point, but never, um, something in that realm. And so that was a different experience on how to write about it and how to report about it. But again, I, I, I think, you know, telling the truth in that situation is the best way to go about it. And oftentimes, again, a guy like David Poyle and, and John Hines is great at this too. I mean, John Hines is a fantastic interview. Yeah. Pretty much anything you want to know. And so to let those guys kind of tell the story and give their thoughts on things, it makes my job easier when you have people like David Poyle and John Hines who will give you as much as they do um, in, in an interview. So that was really a unique situation. And like you guys said in Chicago, um, you know, he gets his first win and Pekka scores a goal and it was a great night, but uh, yeah, just, just a different scenario. But again, it, it's really helpful when guys are willing to say like, you know what, like here it is, I'm going to spell it out for you. And I'm then able to say, all right, here's what they said. And right. it's, it's word for word. And this is what we're going with. And this is how we have to get better and move forward. So do you seek out or is it uh, the, the post game when there's a dog of a game? Um, it's easy and, and nobody's played really well, all of that stuff. Um, I have a tendency to go to the captain or an alternate captain because those are the leadership guys. Those are the ones who I think understand that when things are bad, they're the ones who have to speak for the team. Talk, yeah. Do you mm -hmm. is do you have the same philosophy, or do you go to? I mean, it, it's different when you have legitimate stars, um, you know, uh, whoever it may be. Um, it, it's different at this level. I think you don't go to the nineteen-year-old kid and ask him to speak on behalf. How, how do you deal with it there? Yeah, very similar. I, I think after a tough loss, especially, you always want to talk to the captain. I mean, we always talk to Shea Weber or Mike Fisher and now Roman Yossi whenever, you know, there was a tough game and, and you're going to have them. I mean, that's that's the way it goes. No team goes through a normal 82 game season and doesn't just Without a clunker. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't just drop it one night because, it, it you know, it's going to happen. It happens to everyone. Um, and so that's important. And, and I, to me, especially after a game like that, I've seen it happen sometimes where, you know, guys will go in, reporters will go in and they'll kind of inject an opinion into a question. And, right. you know, the guy might come back and say, well, I didn't see it that way at all. And now you're off to a bad start. And my general rule is to go to a guy, especially after a loss and say, just tell me what you thought. What do you think? And we'll go from there. 
And if they want to talk about it, let's talk about it. If, if they're given one, two, three word answers, that's totally fine too. Like I, you're angry. I get it. Like, I don't, I don't expect you to give some dissertation after, you know, a, a five or six, nothing loss. Um, but a lot of, a lot of times guys will also go off a, a little bit, you know, not go on a rant necessarily, but you know, guys know when they're bad and they'll say it. And that's, I appreciate that too. You know, guys will, will say sometimes we just weren't good tonight. Yeah. And there's no other way to on a night like that. Like, you know, my job is to try to be as positive as I can. Most of the time, there's nothing to be positive about if you lose seven, nothing. And so sometimes you just got to say, yeah, like they weren't good tonight and you've got to flush it and move on. Do you, do you happen to remember the first time where you were like, not dreading going in the locker room after a game, but like, oh gosh, this is going to be a tough one. And and it's almost like talking to you. You mentioned Shea Weber, a mammoth of a human being, right? And very very nice guy. You wouldn't necessarily know it on the ice. So like they, you know, they get you get thumped five 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 nothing, and then you got to go talk to him. Would you remember that first time? Not necessarily with Shea, but with anybody, where you're like, oh gosh, I'm a little nervous here. I don't know what to say. Yeah, there was, uh, I'm trying to think my first, I know my first road trip was in St. Louis. It was St. Louis, Colorado, Pittsburgh. And I think we lost, but I, we, we lost at least one, but I don't, I don't know that it was like a, a bad loss or one that I was necessarily worried about there. There've been a couple times, I think on the road, especially sometimes where it's just, it wasn't a good night and you know, you've got to go in there. And then for me as well, sometimes I'm the only guy only one. There. Yeah. Right. You know, there's only two or three of us maybe. And I know that I've got to have two or three questions ready to go. Cause if I get a short answer, I can't sit there and be like, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So I, I don't know like that I've ever gone into it and you know, scared's not the right word, but there's definitely nights where it's like, Oh uh, boy, like, let's just get it over with. Right. So, right. And, and I think, and again, I, I think that goes back to, you know, guys knowing that it's me and knowing that I have to ask them that and they can give me whatever answer they want. And if they give me a bad, if, if they give me a short answer, like I'm not going to take that personally. And right. so I, I, on nights like that, I think it's like, sometimes it's just like, all right, let's just get it over with and let's just move on. Cause we know and this wasn't good. You got another one. Part of the thing that I try and stress to the players as the media, as the PR person is that, listen, you might think this is a dumb question, like something that's being asked of you and guys have gotten a lot better at this. You might think this is a dumb question, but it has to be asked because you're the expert, right? It's like writing a term paper in college. And it has to come out in your words. It has exactly. It has to be in quotations. It can't just, it can't just be Brooks Bratton writing it. It has to be Roman Yossi saying it. And then Brooks explaining the context behind the quote. And I think players understand that a lot more than they did you know, probably when you, even when you started seven, eight, ten years ago, where it's like, well, that's a dumb question. I don't want to answer that. Mm -hmm. Exactly, um, I would agree with that. And you know, again, I, I think guys just in that moment, it's it can be tough, but I, I think they get it. And I think oftentimes, more often than not, they actually do have something that they want to say. Right. And they can say this aspect of the game wasn't good, or this wasn't good, or we have to be better in this area. And sometimes I would at least like to think that guys appreciate that. Sometime a chance to sit down, collect their thoughts and actually talk it out. Cause I feel like that sometimes that helps when you're in a situation, it, it can be a bad game. It could be anything like that. When you're in a tough situation, I think that sometimes in general, it sits, it helps to sit down 
and and maybe speak some truth or, or get some thoughts out and, and see what you really think. So, yeah, it's obviously it's it's a much easier, much better situation after a win, but um, it's part of the job. And again, I, I think guys more often than not, they're they at least know that they have to do it and that it's just part of the job. This past year, you mentioned sometimes you might be the only person in the locker room. Were you responsible for setting up Zoom calls and all of that down the road? We had uh, at least one of Nick Barnowski or Kevin Wilson, our PR guys, um, did a great job with, with setting things up at home and on the road. Okay. Uh, every, every once in a while, you know, I, I would jump in and, and, and help out a little bit or Nick would be like, you know, something simple, like, Hey, can you hear me? Is this, right. is this thing on? Is this thing working? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they did a great job in setting things up. And oftentimes I was in the room with them asking guys the questions in that way. Sure. Sure. It's a, a challenge, uh, obviously. So your personal life, were you either at the rink or in your apartment or house and that, and that was it, you had to quarantine just like these athletes who could not, they could go for a walk, but they couldn't get a cup of coffee, things like that. Pretty much. Yeah. And that was, you know, certainly the unique part about it. Cause I was in the, the Edmonton bubble as well. Yeah. Um, and that was a totally different animal. Like we, I'll never forget. People have asked me like, what, what was that? Like, what do you remember most? And the moment that it really hit me that like, this is something insane that we've never done before is we pulled up to the hotel in Edmonton last summer and there was a fence around the hotel and the gate opened up and the bus pulled in and the gate closed behind it. And I was like, Oh wow. We're we're in that. Um, Sealing all the germs out. Right. Some some dystopian novel, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, so this year there were no fences around the hotels. Um, but yeah, it was definitely different, you know, on the road, like you said, you could go for a walk. I, I like to go for a run outside, um, if I can, and we were in a good division with some good weather to be able to do that most of the time. Right. Um, so that was nice. And, uh, I, I think that was important just to get outside in, in a season like this more than ever and go for a walk or go for a run. Um, and, and then, yeah, here in Nashville, I mean, I was going down when we were at home, I would drive down to the rink every morning and get my test. And oftentimes, depending on the schedule, I would, I would hang out for a little bit, or I would come back home and just work from home. Um, and then maybe drive back down for the game in the evening. So it was, it was pretty much to the rink or back home. And that was pretty much it. But the, you know, that was, that was what you had to do. That was and life. Yeah. I, I think we, you know, we all understood that. And I, very early on before we even returned to play last summer you know i remember march of 2020 it was like it's a whole new world what are we even supposed to do and i think it was probably april of 2020 when we realized okay this isn't going away in two weeks and i mentally personally just for myself had to say all right it's going to be different for a while and you've just got to deal with that there's no it's a waste of energy if you sit here and say, oh, woe is me. Why does this happen? Complain about Zoom calls or whatever. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. It's like, this is what we're doing now. And you just got to embrace it and have a good attitude because it would have been it would have been miserable if, you know, you wake up and you're sulking every day and, you know, that oh, this is why do I have to do this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I looked at it, the fact that the Preds wanted me in the bubble, I really looked at that as, um, you know, a, a token of gratitude and, and confidence, a vote of confidence to say like, no, we, we want you there. We, 
we want you to help tell that story. So I really appreciated doing it. Um, I hope that we never have to do anything that extreme ever again, but right. you know, it, it's something that I'll never forget. And hopefully one day, you know, I'll, maybe I'll have some grandkids that say, what was it like in a pandemic? And I'll have plenty of stories to tell. Tell them. So when, when you're a kid growing up in Pittsburgh uh, and then going to Robert Morris, what, what, what was the goal? What, what was, I mean, I think at one point we all want to be an athlete. And at one point that then there comes the time where you do, you want to do something and hopefully you attain that. So what was it for you? Was it, to be a beat writer? Was it to be a, a PR guy? I mean, what, what was the goal for you? So I, like you said, Aaron, I, I think everybody wants to be an athlete at some point. I, of course, wanted to be a hockey player at some point, but I realized pretty early on that I just simply was not good enough to play professionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I realized that early on. And I actually started officiating. And really? goal, oh, nice. Goal for a few years was to honestly be a referee. I enjoyed officiating more than I did playing. I don't know what that says about my headspace or if I'm a little, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not really sure where that comes from. Like I actually kind of enjoyed people booing um, and, and kind of got a charge out of that. But I did that for 10 years in Pittsburgh. But then when I got to school at Robert Morris, I was also, I had always been passionate about the journalism side of things and the broadcast side of things. And also, you know, growing up listening to the great Mike Lang in Pittsburgh, yeah. um, you know, how can you not be inspired by that? And then just reading, you know, some of the great writers in Pittsburgh and around the NHL as well. And so, yeah, I, I always kind of thought that, you know, again, once I got to school and on the weekends when I should have been officiating, if I wanted to make a career out of that, I was actually, covering the hockey games and the basketball games and the football games. And so that kind of became the path. Um, and again, just, I, I think I, the dream was to either be a beat writer or be on, you know, a, a local news side of things. And it wasn't until I interned with the Penguins my senior year at Robert Morris and did essentially what I'm doing now for them as an sure. intern. And got on the inside and said, oh, I like this. And I get to still wear the team's logo and I can, you know. So I, was it working for the team that was appealing and, and having those relationships within? That's what appealed to you? Yes. And still being able to enjoy the high of a win and, you know, the, the low of a loss. And yeah, it, it just just being on the inside and then getting to know people on a personal level. And then I was there during the lockout of 2012. It was fall of 2012 when I was there. So I really got a lot of interviews in with Dan Bilesman because that was all that I really right, had. The only guy you could talk I, to. <laughs> yeah, I really had the only had him to talk to, but he was great. And, you know, they, the Penguins were great and, and still having me on because they didn't have to have me on during a lockout, but they did. Um, and just gave me some amazing experience there. And that was when I think it really clicked like, oh, I want to work for a team and, and only a team. If I'm going to be right. in, like, I want to work for a team. So that then became the goal um, and just uh, applied for anywhere and everywhere, any team that I could possibly find. Um, and, you know, I ended up in Nashville here and uh, just my, my first full-time job out of school. And it's crazy to think that it'll be seven years ago this August that I will have, have moved down here. It's, it's crazy to think it's been that long, but seven seasons have gone by really quick. How weird was it for you then in 2017 
win. It's Nashville and Pittsburgh for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it was it was different. I mean, I won't lie. I was a diehard Penguin fan growing up. Of course. Um, and, you know, of, of course, a lot of my my friends and family are, are still diehard Penguin fans in Pittsburgh. Um, but I mean, there was there was never any sort of conflict like I the first time that the Predators in 2015 went to Pittsburgh and we beat the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Boy, did I love that feeling. So I, so, so there was never, there was never any like, and you know, I tell people all the time, the amount of people that said to me going into the final were, were like, oh, this must be a win-win for you. I was like, how is this no. a win-win for me? Like yeah. if, if one team wins, then I get to celebrate. If the other team wins, I get nothing. Like that's just, you know, that's just not the way that it works anymore. So it was an amazing experience. The only thing that I wish I could change, of course, is the result. Um, but, but to get to cover a Stanley cup final and to have half of it be in my original hometown and have the other half of it take place in my adopted hometown, um, was just amazing and, and something that, you know, I, I hope I never have to have that particular experience and losing to Pittsburgh or losing to any team ever again in that way. Um, but everything else about it was, was just amazing and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And that gave you so many opportunities, much like this past season, to tell stories of these play. You know, Freddie Gaudreau is the one who comes to mind first off because of injuries to Ryan Johansson and all that. Uh, Colton Sisson's getting the hat trick. I mean, there was a playoff run will always have great stories. Have those but stories. It, yeah. I mean, those, and maybe it's because of our closeness to it, but it, it, those were fantastic this last year fantastic and that's when it when it comes down to it we want to tell great stories and a consumer wants to read or watch or listen to great stories absolutely and you mentioned Freddie Goudreau I mean that was the the big story in the final was there wasn't enough room for him to have right to, to have a stall he had what looked to be sort of a computer desk in in the <laughs> locker room and um, and I mean, you guys know Freddie is one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. Yes. And, and you love to get those stories and, and Colton Sisson scoring a hat trick. And then I had the opportunity to, to talk to his parents and his dad later on. And his dad actually worked on a first person story with him for our website. Yeah. Um, and just to hear him talk about that moment and sitting in their living room back home in North Vancouver and just being beside themselves and not even realizing what was happening in the moment. Right. Um, you know, to, to see guys like that and just to see them again, you, you, you have guys where you go from seeing them on draft day and all of a sudden, you know, they're here and they're playing. I remember, you know, Frederick Allard coming up this season and playing his first NHL game. And he's another guy that, uh, has always been really friendly and always great to see at development camps and training camps. And like, I always really make it a point to go up to those guys and, and say congratulations. And I mean, that's a huge deal to make it to the NHL, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And I always love seeing guys come up and, you know, being like, Hey man, like, remember me? Like, it's so good to see you again. Like, congratulations. So happy you're here, whatever. And, um, it, it's just cool to tell those stories. And like you guys said, I mean, this season, there were so many guys, who had come up from Milwaukee or Chicago, I suppose, and um, just made such an impact and, and really showed that they can be everyday NHL players. And that's really cool for, for someone like myself who I'm getting older. They're always staying the same age when they get drafted. Yes, exactly. right. 
you get to know these guys and it's really easy to root for them because, you know, you get to know them as people. and they're Personally. Good yeah, them. absolutely. Have to see them have success. Who, who are some of the guys over the years? Uh, and besides, besides Pekka, because we want to get to him separately. But who are some of the guys that you've really enjoyed covering over the years, uh, especially guys that maybe have spent a, a fair amount of time in Milwaukee that you know, our listeners would would be very familiar with? Well, the first one, my first season in 2014-15, the first guy who was like really like went out of his way to talk to me and was super nice was Gabby Bork. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and always kind of, you know, had a joke or, uh, you know, just stopped by and said, hey, on the way out of the room or something like that. And uh, Gabby was always great. and I'll always have a soft spot for him. Um, to this day, from the moment he came up into this day, Colton Sissons is one of my favorite guys to talk to. Um, and actually got a chance a couple summers ago to hang out with uh, him and Ryan Johansson on Ryan Johansson's pontoon in Vancouver. Yeah, I remember that that feature, that video uh, feature. Yeah, yeah. So that that was just an unreal day. Um, so so those guys come to mind. I'm, I'm trying to think of who else have, may have been in Milwaukee over the years that would have come up here. I mean, Freddie Goudreau is another one. Just just the nicest guy. I, I love talking to Alex Carrier. I mean, he's so, such a so a, engaging a, that guy is in, engaging yes and, and a kind soul to begin with but yeah engaging and and willing to talk to you and, and wanting to know how you're doing and that sort of thing um i mean there's there's been so many like i've had people ask me you know like come on like who do you not like to talk to i'm like no one like right. there, there's definitely guys that um you know I, I enjoy speaking with more than others but like every single one of them they're all good people and, right. Oh. Absolutely. And we, we talk about this all the time that, you know, David Poyle, Scott Nickel, Brian Poyle, the Predators, they sign good people. Right. I, I've been doing this for 20 years and I can count on one hand the number of bad guys that we've had. And, you know, like you say, maybe some guys don't want to talk. Mika Salamaki comes to mind like such a quiet guy, a pit bull mm-hmm. on the ice, but quiet guy. Uh, although he told me an awesome story about uh, he, he introduced me to uh sauna championships which is something that uh, they do in finland uh and it, it was a, an insane competition i would think it was straight out of russia um but to your point these are good people and it's it's fun to 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 get to know them and then to be able to root for them as well even still doing a journalistic job like you're like you mentioned yes and now, now that i think about that austin watson's another guy who yeah um, one obviously an easy guy to root for but would just go out of his way to you know anything that I needed he's like yes anytime whatever you need um, he's great and and then our captain too who, who played there for a time Roman Yossi I mean you know one of the biggest superstars in the NHL yeah and just you know goes out of his way to say hey how are you um, and, and again I mean they're, they're just all good guys and I, and I really think too the guys that come through Milwaukee um, you know, we, we, we know here what, what an amazing organization you guys have there in Milwaukee. And um, to your point, Charlie, about drafting or, or having good people in the organization, obviously you want good hockey players, but you want good people too. And so to have them in that situation um, and, and really get to know them. And I, two more guys who come to mind who never played here in Nashville, but two of my favorites of all time are Jack Doherty and Justin Kirkland. Uh, yeah, I got, got to know good them. Over calls, yeah. And th- those, yeah. they were good buddies too. Yes, exactly. Which I always loved. Cause I was like, well, here's my two favorites and they're already friends to begin with. So right. they were, 
loved seeing them were always my two favorite people to see during development camp for those two or three years when they would come in um, and, and were just awesome to talk to and super down to earth. And again, just two more guys that you get to know on a personal level and uh, one of the cooler parts of this job and, and hope, you know, you hope to see them have success as they continue in their careers as well. We should probably start to wind this up because Brooks is taking a time out of his busy day to, uh, well, he's got laundry to do. He's been on the road all year. He's been in, he's been in quarantine and he's got a stack of laundry like you wouldn't believe. Um, got life to catch up on. Like, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So good luck in the next four hours to get to get that all done. Um <laughs> But Charlie, I, I, I want to give it to you. Do you have anything else you want to throw in? I, mean, I have one more. Yeah, uh, I think just talk about what it's like to work with, you know, he's the most successful player to play for Milwaukee and then go on to the NHL and literally the most selfless person you will ever meet. Um, we had him here for three years. You've had him there your entire time. Uh, talk about what it was, what it's like for you personally to be working with Pekka Rene. Well, I mean, what a privilege it is to, as you say, work with him and get to know him on a daily basis. And uh, one, one of the sneakier, funny guys that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think right. <laughs> he's got a, he's got a wicked sense of humor. And to your point is just the nicest guy. I often, tell people it's kind of a weird joke I'll admit but I often tell people that I'm convinced that I could sneeze on Pekka and he would apologize for standing for being, yeah for being in the way yeah well, I mean, that's, just, that's a lot of us Scandinavians though that's that, that we would a lot of us would do that <laughs> well I'm so I mean what you know what an unreal human first off and and to get to see him at, at his highs and, and his lows and uh, to be there in Vegas with him when he won the Vezina trophy and just to get it, to get a photo with him in that moment. And, you know, I, I try not to do stuff like that and, and go out of my way to like, you know, be a fan in that moment. But, um, you know, I, I did get a photo with him and, you know, just the, the nicest, most gracious person and to be there when he scored a goal and to, to be in the room afterward and get to talk to him and be one of the first people to say like, what on earth are you thinking right now? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then something I'll just never forget is his final regular season game, at least for this season, hopefully not ever. Yes. Um, but it just happened so organically, the five, nothing shutout. And then to, to go for a lap around the ice and you know, that none of that was planned. It just happened organically. I think he said afterward, it was Brad Richardson who was like, go, you got to yeah. skate. So, you know, just to see him in that in moments like that and appreciate what he means for this franchise and for this city, I am often convinced that he could run for mayor and win in a landslide here. Sure. <laughs> I mean, he's just that popular, even, even, you know, something as routine as when he gets announced in the starting lineup, he gets the loudest cheer here every time. And it's not, no one else comes close on this roster, not Roman Yossi, not Mike Fisher. When he was here, not Shea Weber, Pecorine gets the loudest cheer at Bridgestone every time, and it's not even close. And I think that tells you all you need to know about what the people here feel uh, toward him. Um, but yeah, for, for someone like myself to, to get to be there for some of his top moments of his career and be right there and get to talk to him and ask him what he feels in that moment. I mean, what, what a privilege to cover an athlete like that. I want to finish Brooks with, with something that's sort of selfish on my part, but, what, 
can be done with this medium or telling stories? Like what is the next step in all of this? And I'm sure like you're constantly trying to tweak, like what can we do that's not the same thing? And not, not that there's anything wrong with the same thing, but what can we do that doesn't need bells and whistles? But have, do you sit there and think like that? Like, how can we change it up? How can we make it a little different and make it more interesting? Things like that. All the time. And I think, you know, just over the years, I've tried to tweak little things, even as something as simple as a game day preview that we post on our website. Like, how can I make this look a little bit different from year to year? What's something different that I can do? Or, you know, how do you make a recap a little bit different? Or what sort of feature stories can we do? I, I love doing the first person stories on guys um, in, in that way. And um, I love, we, I was able to write a really cool story on Roman Yossi last year when uh, he won the Norris and talked to his parents and his best friends and his wife and um, just things of that nature. I think long form things like that are really cool that we don't necessarily have time to do or stop to think to do in the day to day of everything. I love doing that. I always tell people one of the coolest things I've ever done is do the hometown visits in Vancouver that we did with Matt Irwin and Dante Fabro and then Sissons and Johansson together. Yeah. Uh, I think things of that nature to, to me is always the best that you can get because um, not to say that anyone can go in there and write a recap or a game preview, but it's not the toughest thing in the world to do. Right. Um, and it's not going to get the most clicks uh, all the time, but to me, and especially in our Nashville market, the fans want to get to know the guys as people. And I think any behind the scenes content you can do um, is really what's important. And, and I'm curious to see, you know, in the years to come, what more comes with, with player and puck tracking and, and how that gets incorporated into different things. And to one of our earlier points, you know, some of the younger guys coming up, how they embrace things, how, you know, do they come to us with ideas? I think we're starting to see that a little bit already right. being like, what can I do? Can we do this? Can we try this? Um, I think maybe sometimes the players in the future will be the ones who come to us with the brilliant idea. Right. And it's like, yes, let's make this happen. That's amazing. So yes, always thinking of ways to freshen things up and, you know, you guys know, and for someone like me, who's been here seven years, I don't want it to be the same thing year after year. It, you know, right. it can get, not, not that it gets boring because every day is different in, in this industry, but um, you know, there, there's always ways to liven things up and, this is a good time. The off season is really when I go around and, and try to think of some things and see what other teams are doing and um, then try to implement that as best we can as we move forward. And it all comes back to putting the guys in the best light as possible. And uh, I, I'd like to think that we've done a pretty good job of that over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's uh, the, the predators and you mentioned being engaged in town, but it, it, overall on the social media, um, fantastic your work has been fantastic um your um wi willingness might not be the right word but it, that's a tough thing to do to be in a quarantine and and do this every day i i gotta be honest i'm thankful i did not have to do that this year that would have been really really hard uh so kudos to you for getting through it and uh here's the easier days here's the more fun but easier the rest of the way. Thanks for doing this, Brooks.
Absolutely, guys. My pleasure. It's I'm happy to do it and happy to talk cocky anytime and every time. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, on the road, hopefully at some point here soon. It's been great to have some human interaction and uh, don't. <laughs> it's great to see you on the Zoom screen, but it'd be even better to shake your hand in person. So I hope we get to do that soon. Looking Absolutely. forward to it. Looking forward to it. That's Brooks Bratton from the uh, Nashville Predators. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.